0: You know, none of us is perfect, you know, and, and yet when we come to church, we act like we're supposed to be. We come to church, and on the way here, it was pure chaos, and we get out, we put on this facade, and we walk in, and we see everybody else's kids acting what we think is the way they're supposed to act, having no idea what their car ride was, because we can't even think that way, and, and we see their kids, and we think that everybody else's kids are perfect, but mine are these hooligans. Nobody's perfect. Not one person other than Jesus Christ was perfect. And so we we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace and and recognize that God has gifted us and wired us all uniquely. And and moms, God has wired you in a way that he has not wired your husbands. You know, when Carrie, even today when she leaves, you know, I'm going, I I used to pull my hair out, but I don't have much to pull out anymore. When my kids were younger and she would leave, which was very rare because I couldn't handle it, I, I would go crazy. You know, you got Boys in the backyard throwing sticks at each other and doing all kinds of things and, you know, and the kids in the house and changing diapers and trying to clean the house and take care of the dog and even trying to figure out what she had already prepared for dinner and how on earth I do that and all that at the same time, men are not wired that way. And so, Mom, we appreciate your ability to multitask and to be the caregivers for our children this morning, I wanted to, as we look into John 2, I want to look at a story that you guys are all familiar with, as Jesus um, is his first miracle, and Mary, his mother, as they come into uh, this scene, you know, and, and even Mary, there's been lots of commentary on this, that perhaps she overstepped her boundaries, and you know, I think that you can look at Jesus' response, and so maybe she did, maybe she said, I don't want to get into all that, but the reality is this, no one is perfect. But if we follow the example of Mary, even in our imperfections, things will work out. And things will work out in a miraculous way. And so the first thing I wanted us to realize this morning is no one is perfect. When we come into this text here in, in John chapter 2, let me just give you a little bit of the background. Jesus has just uh, finished calling Nathanael to be his disciple and to follow him. So he's got five disciples with him at this point. Uh, Jesus and Mary, and the disciples, have been invited to this wedding feast. Uh, you know, And they, they come on the scene here in Canaan. And uh, you, you have to understand the context. The Jewish culture was not only a culture that was very hospitable, but Jewish weddings were a big deal. If you think that we make a big deal out of weddings today, nothing that we have even comes close to the Jewish wedding. A Jewish wedding would would take place usually on Wednesday or Thursday. The the, the virgins were married on a Wednesday. The widows were married on a Thursday. And then there would be this feast that would go on for like a week long. And so what would take place on, on the day of the wedding, the, the father of the bride would take the bride and they would walk all through town. They would parade through town with the bride as they were on the way to the groom's house. And everybody would come out and, and, and encourage and celebrate along with the bride as they were on the way to the groom's house. As they would come to the groom's house, most times the, the wedding would actually take place on, at, in the, right there at the door front of the groom's house. And the wedding would take place. And then they would proceed on another parade all through town with the bride and the groom. Everybody again coming out and giving congratulations to the bride and the groom. It was a big deal. But then the groom's family was responsible for this feast that would take place for days upon days afterwards. But the reality is, if you ran out of food... It was a big deal. It would not only bring shame on the family, but you actually would get fined or could get fined for running out of food. So you bring all this into the story and the context, and we come to John chapter 2, looking in verses 1 and 2. John says, on the third day, which is important, we'll see why in a second, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And so again, here we have uh, this wedding taking place. As you read through the Gospels, each of the authors has their own flavor of how they emphasize things. John likes to emphasize the days. And so here he says, on the third day. Well, it doesn't make much sense in this context, but if you go back up and you read in the verses following in chapter 1, we realize that Nathanael was called on on the fourth day. And so now he says the third days, it would be... Three days afterwards. So that means that this is taking place on Saturday, which is the Sabbath. So Jesus' first miracle taking place on the Sabbath is rather interesting in the context of everything else that we know on how important the Sabbath was, that this is what was taking place. And so here we have all this coming into the context that uh, we we come to verse 3. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. It's interesting to me when you look at verse 4 and Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Again, as I said earlier, there's been lots and lots and lots of commentary on the thought here. Did Mary overstep her bounds? I'm not sure. Perhaps the way Jesus spoke to her, and by the way, the way he spoke to her woman is not derogatory. It was the way that they addressed one another back then. But it's clear he's saying, what does this have to do with me? My time has not yet come. Jesus was 30 years old at this point. He's just called his disciples. And so you can imagine mom coming in and, and most believe that Joseph has probably passed away by now and Jesus is there caring for his mom. And, and so they come along to this this uh, wedding feast and there's no more wine. Some people believe one of two things that either Mary was close enough to the groom's family to know what was going on, or perhaps she was even helping in the serving of those people. But either way, she knew that they were almost out of wine, and so she comes to Jesus, and it's important to understand really kind of the tone of her voice. It wasn't this matter of fact, hey Jesus, they're just about out of wine. It was probably more, they're almost out of wine. Knowing the culture or context and the shame that would have come to this family, the the stigma that would have been on this bride and groom for running out of wine on this wedding feast. It was a big deal. And so she comes to Jesus, which brings us to our second point. She knew who to ask help. You know, we've got to learn that in life it's that we need to ask for help. In our culture, asking for help is almost this stigma of weakness. You know, that if you have to ask for help, it means that you don't know something you know, Or if you have to ask for help, it's, a, it's an example of poor leadership. You know, I would say just the opposite. When we know ourselves well enough to know that, hey, we're not so good in an area, and we, we have people that we know are good in that area, and we humble ourselves and ask for help. Well, if it's that case in a normal, worldly setting, how much more so is it with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit who resides in us, to be able to learn to go to Him and ask for help? There's another very significant story going on amongst this story that John is really trying to point out. And he's paralleling the wine... And uh, you know, as you look through the, the Bible, wine is also often associated with joy. Now, not from drinking so much wine that you get joyful, but there, there's this celebration aspect that wine and joy in the Jewish culture went hand in hand. And what John really appears to be trying to do in the context is parallel that with the joy that only comes from Jesus. And so if you think about how people in our day use wine, and this would be a good, a good opportunity to to share the differences between the wine of our day and the wine of their day. Wine was used primarily as a water treatment process. The alcohol in the wine would be put into the water to kill the bacteria that was there. The wine would be watered down from a minimum of 2 to 1 to a maximum of sometimes 20 to 1. So we're not talking that it was wine at full strength. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible refers to strong drink, meaning that would be the full strength wine that MacArthur and others say that only barbarians would would be drinking. So oftentimes we use um, what we see in the scripture of drinking wine and we don't understand the context of how much it was watered down, uh, you know, compared to the wine that we use today. But again, if we go with this parallel of why people use wine and alcohol in their lives, uh, whether whatever you want to call it, oftentimes it's to cover up a hurt or a wound or a frustration in their life that's their coping mechanism and the only way that they have to be able to handle these things. And what John is saying, the joy that comes from wine is nothing in comparison to the joy that comes from Jesus as we yield to Him, as we ask Him for help in the midst of circumstances. It's so important for us to, to understand that, that only through Jesus are we going to get through the trials of life. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit is He going to give us joy in the midst of circumstances. You know, I think that we often forget in our journey with Jesus who it is that we're walking with. This is the creator of the universe, the king of kings. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-loving. He has your best interest in mind, and yet we forget who it is that we are in this relationship with. Why would we not go to him and ask for help when we are in dire straits? It's, it's interesting to me as I've been thinking about this, how, how we often do this in, in our lives. And I'll just say this for myself. My dad's one of the smartest men that I know. He knows a lot About a lot of things. Now some of that is rubbed off of me, but I can't say I know a lot about a lot of things. I know a little about a lot of things, and and that gets me in trouble. I shared last week of all these motors and and stuff I have in my garage. Well, this week, or actually last Sunday right after church, I, I drove to Charlottesville right after church to pick up Jordan's car because transmission's going out, and I limped it all the way home. And then earlier this week, I went back to Richmond. I bought another transmission, and so guess what I've been doing all weekend? Swapping transmissions. So I get it all back together yesterday evening. I go to start the car and nothing, not even a click. I mean, there's, it's not doing anything. The bad, I test the battery, everything's on. And, you know, knowing how much my dad knows, you know how easy it would be just to pick up the phone and say, hey, dad, here's what I did. Well, guess what I did? Go back underneath the car, bang my head on a few things, get in all the mess that's on the ground and try to figure it out on my own. Well, you know, Wallace, there's other guys in the church that are mechanics. Chris Forziati's a mechanic. Um, Danny Harrell's a mechanic. Kevin Leppard knows all kinds of things. I could ask all sorts of guys in the church for a little bit of help because they're far more knowledgeable on this stuff than I am. But guess what I did? Kept trying to figure it out and asked me how that's going. Not very good. we do the same thing spiritually over and over over again. We try to figure things out on our own. We even fail to read God's word. We fail to go before God in prayer and say, God, I don't have a clue. Would you please help? Mary knew, even though that there's no evidence in scripture before this that there was Jesus had performed any miracles, even though some would like to say that he had, somehow she knew that Jesus could take care of the problem. And so she came to him. She made him known what the, what the troubles were, and Jesus did. But I want you to see one more thing this morning that was, is very important. We may know that he can take care of the problem. We may even come for him for help, but we have to cooperate with the master if we're going to experience the things that he wants to do in our lives. You know, Mary knew that Jesus could take care of it. She knew that, hey, let him do it any way that he chooses to do so because he can take care of it. In, in my experiences in life, it's difficult to yield to the Master because I think I know more than I know, and I don't. When I do yield to Him, His ways are not my ways. His ways don't even make a whole lot of sense to me. But every time I yield to Him, He shows up in a mighty, mighty way. He shows up in ways that are unbelievable to me. And we see Mary's faith in verse 5 where she, she says this, her mother said to, to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Because she knew that whatever he decided to do was going to work. And I, a good question for us to ask ourselves is, do we believe that as well? Do we believe when we come to him that whatever that he has is going to work? So here's the servants, verse 6. There were six stone stones water jars there for the Jewish rites for purification, which is a very interesting thing I encourage you to study. We could go on and on about that. Each holding 20 or 30 gallons, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so we know the rest of the story. He had turned the water into wine. He had done something that was amazing, something that would last for that family forever, something to bless that family, to, to protect them from the shame that would have taken place in their community forever, the stigma that had been on them. It was really a financial blessing as well that it provided for them and would continue all this, all this wine that was there that they would have. It was an incredible financial blessing. But let me tell you something, the blessings of Jesus go far beyond financial the blessings of jesus go far beyond the immediate the blessings of jesus are eternal but we need to yield to him we need to first and foremost yield to him by recognizing that we're sinners and that we're messed up and apart from jesus that we can do nothing no good thing We need to accept Him as our personal Savior, but after that, we need to continually yield to Him. We need to continually die to ourselves, as we saw last week, and to follow Him. This world has all sorts of joy, but it's temporal. But there's a joy that comes when we yield to Jesus that is beyond anything the world has to offer. I have no idea where you are this morning, what you might be struggling with, the the stresses of life that may be upon your shoulders. But one thing I know, that if you come to the Master, if you ask Him for help and you yield to what it is that He has for you to do, He'll show up and He'll do something that you can't do. And in the process, He will give you joy that is unthinkable, that is unspeakable, that is unimaginable. As difficult as it is for us as parents to watch our kids grow up and just want them to slow down. How much more is God saying the same thing to all of us? We rush through life, we go through difficult times, We want to run out the door from them or rather than run into them. And so I conclude this morning by asking you, what is it that you need to do to slow down and run to Jesus? For some, it may be initiating a relationship with him, finally accepting him as your Lord and Savior for others. It may be really learning to yield to him no matter what the circumstance of life is. To ask for help. Run to the master. And commit to doing whatever he asks. So as we come to this final song of invitation. What is the next step for you? To slow down. And experience the love and the joy. That only comes from Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Mother's Day and the opportunity we have to celebrate with our moms. But Lord, thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we have the opportunity to do all this because of you. And Father, I pray that you would help us just to stop, to look inside, ask your spirit to guide us and to show us what we need to do. So that we can slow down and come to you, experience your love, your forgiveness, your peace, and the joy that you only have to offer. In Jesus' name.